Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 1804. I'm your host, Andy. And today we'll be taking a look at a few stories. Uh, one of them, mainly a development project in Haiti, as well as a report drafted uh, by Congress concerning the Jovenel Moise assassination. So uh, let's dive in. Um, so this was from uh, a Twitter account. This is from November 9th. Um, Fabrice Mouriet who is the French ambassador to Haiti, uh, down in Haiti, tweeted, uh, fully confident after my zivit with Escuesta, which is the ambassador of Spain to Haiti. Um, today from the Port-au-Prince Hospital, cite that this important project funded by USAID and AFD France will be completed in mid-2023. Our duty is to show development projects come out in Haiti. So just to give you background information on this, uh, back in 2010, after the earthquake, there was a state university hospital in the capital of Port-au-Prince that got just completely destroyed. Um, so at the time, the government of Haiti had asked uh, both USAID and a, um, development, uh, sorry, AFD, which is Agence Française de Développement, or French Development Agency in English, um, for um, some, uh, some assistance to rebuild the hospital. So obviously here, these are a few uh, models right here uh, from the tweet. It should be ready by mid-2023. Um, so those of you that are not familiar, USAID obviously is a development aid program funded by Congress, which is uh, essentially the U.S. government. Um, same thing, similar to Aided Development France, 85%, um, except they're different, where 15% of their funding comes from this um the state's budget so france and plus the european union where 85 percent uh the rest of their funding comes from uh interest gain uh, interest gain that they made off of uh, giving out loans so their funding is slightly different however their goal is essentially the same um now based on a uh this right here so this was the fact sheet for the construction of the hospital and they didn't specify exactly not on the fact sheet however but uh, for after the announcement they didn't specify for um, the funding that was given to from to haiti from usaid and afd um so we've got the numbers here so on the fact sheet here you can tell that well gives you a background january 2 2010 earthquake caused severe damage including a collapsed building in huh Haiti's primary public territory and teaching hospital located in downtown Port-au-Prince. Um, so right here, you can see that the funding um, from um, uh, French agency development was 25 million, as well as the U.S. as well. They gave 25 million each, and then the Haitian government gave out 33 million. So a total of 83 million um, for, the fun um, for the funding with 15 million of foreign aid essentially um so in terms of the funding and the the hospital this is a very good thing uh mainly obviously for haitian citizens uh down there um a lot of the a lot of haitians mainly have to depend on um, ngo facilities like uh unicef uh for uh for care because oftentimes um the hospitals down there are ever over um beds are overtaken or they don't have enough cap capacity to help uh, certain injuries or treat certain illnesses down there as well. 
Um, so definitely this will relieve a lot of the burden on um, NGOs as well as other um, hospitals and um, facilities uh, down there too. Um, so this is a good thing. However, when we look at on on a surface level, you can look at it and see, well, okay, well, $50 million given um, to Haiti uh, to help build this hospital. It's a very good thing. Um, you look at it, it may be a lot of money. However, I can put it into a perspective, um, dating back um, even from the, uh, the occupation of, of the U.S. and Haiti, um, the possession of France, uh, Haiti as a colony um, to France, um, the $50 million in perspective is a very, very, um, very minimal amount, which I want to highlight. Although these NGOs, um, not the NGOs, um, um, these foreign aid agencies give out money and they are providing a service. Um, when you look at the background, essentially what they're, hand, um, what they're handing out to com compared to what they're, they're taking, it's a completely, um, it's a completely different level. Uh, huge, uh, I could say huge discrepancy essentially um so for example i'm going to look get, take a look at here um so this for those of you who don't know or have never read it there was a new york times article a very thorough new york times article that essentially showed um kind of the history of haiti and how essentially it's been taken advantage of by international forces mainly france and the united states but in this case here um, they're focusing on a bank that was based in France and how they use, essentially, they installed the, they installed the Haitian National Bank while, um, gaining, uh, making a profit off fees every time, for example, um, the government of Haiti had to make a certain transaction, per se. Um, even then, the same, um, the Haitian National Bank, once it was installed as well, it even helped finance um, the Eiffel Tower at the time, too. So there's one point I want to show you here. Give me one sec. Highlighting coffee because there was a certain amount of number. There it is. Okay. So just to give you uh, an idea here of how much money has been taken, and it's obviously this is these numbers are without um, the independence that that they had to pay um, pay up. So I'm just leaving that. That's the numbers without this, obviously, because it's not talking about it here. But you can see by the twenty the early twentieth century, half of the taxes on Haiti's coffee crop by fair by far its most important source of revenue went to French investors at CIC and the National Bank. After Haiti's other debts were deducted, its government was left with pennies, six cents of every three dollars collected to run the country. And just to put it into perspective, uh, another number that was even more shocking, the damage war was lasting. Over three decades, French shareholders made profits of at least 136 million in today's dollars from Haiti's national bank. So in what world does a um, foreign country make money off of national bank from a completely quote-unquote, independent country. Um, so about the entire year's worth of country's tax revenue at the time, the document shows. So this is, then again, this is without the money that, um, the independence debt. So just to put into perspective, there's a lot of aid going on in Haiti. Mainly, the, the main, uh, a lot of aid mainly comes from the U.S. Um, and then we have international, uh, we have CARICOM, uh, Canada, and obviously, it's a few development projects from France. 
But when you put it into um, perspective, the amount of um, the, the reaped benefits that they've already had from the U.S. and France surpasses by far the $50 million given to rebuild the hospital. So although I think it's kind of a it's not a on the bigger picture, it's very, very small. Um, but I do think for the Haitian people, uh, especially in living in Port-au-Prince, this is very um, this is a very good thing. Okay, so now I want to take a look at a report here. So this was a report to Congress on the assassinate uh, the assassination of former President uh, Jovenel Moïse. So those of you who don't know, um, July seventh, uh, yeah, July seventh, twenty twenty one, Jovenel Moïse um, was killed in his home with mercenaries that that entered his home, killed him, and left. Um, left him obviously wounded, his wife wounded, which she ended up having to get treated in uh, a hospital in Florida, I believe Miami uh, to be specific. So this is a report that came out back in October, um, just to, um, which is basically um, through the Transparency, Transparency Initi Initiative Act, because at the time, Claude Joseph, uh, the interim prime minister, had requested investigation. So under this act, they had to essentially provide a report uh, after the investigation here. A few things I wanted to highlight um, in terms of the intimidation and just to show why. So there's no there's not much movement on the case right now. Um, it's pretty stale in terms of really who's responsible. There have been um, mercenaries that's been that have been arrested and a few other parties that have been uh, detained. Uh, so either in Florida or one guy in, especially in Turkey, um, once after he arrived there through the airport. Um, but I want to read you um, this here. So this is basically a summary of the threats and acts intimidated on Haitian authorities that are trying to um, conduct the investigation. So you'll see here, since the start of the investigation, several Haitian authorities have received threats in connection with their participation in investigating the case. While others have refused to take on the case out of fear for their own safety, the Justice of the Peace who documented Moïse's home after the assassination, Carl-Henri Destin, Court Clerk Marcelin Valentin, and Waki Philosten, and former Chief Prosecutor Bedford Claude all reportedly received threats. Several investigation judges turned down the case, reportedly for reasons of personal convenience, as permitted under Haitian law, before Saint-Ville was finally able to assign it to Mathieu Chanlat on August 9th, 2021. However, Chanlat withdrew only days later on August 13, 2021, citing personal reasons. His resignation came the day after one of his judicial clerks, Ernst Lafortune, passed away. So you see a lot of the judges and prosecutors that are assigned to the case have been um, threatened and even some in some cases, some um, even um, uh, pieces for the invest sorry evidence for the investigation has been modified or stolen, uh, attempted stolen um, in the judge's office as well. Um, and just to show you how corrupt this is, even last year, um, the ha the Haitian prime interim de facto prime minister Ariel Henry, who was not voted in by um, the international, who was not actually well. <laughs> I could say he was put in, he was, he's been accepted by the international community. However, he was not voted in by Haitian citizens themselves. So he's kind of a de facto leader. Um, well, he is a de facto leader right now, um, put in place, um, essentially a puppet. 
um, for the international community and um, Haitian oligarchs to keep their interest in place. But last year, um, essentially, there was a um, he was called uh, by a justice minister uh, because there was uh, reports that the justice minister was essentially trying to uh, get take him in for questioning because the, the night before the assassination, um, there's proof that he, uh, Prime Minister Ariel Henry had called Félix Badiou, which Félix Badiou is one of the prime suspects and still missing, um, still wanted somewhere in Haiti um, for the assassination of Jovenel Moïse, since he was one of the main key actors in the assassination and in planning it as well. Um, so once he got questioned by the justice minister, he essentially fired him. And no, for no good reason, there was not, there's never a um, sincere reason that was released by the government or Ariel Henry himself. And so, so I'm going to get you right here. So yeah, Henri's dismissal of Justice Minister Rockefeller Vincent came a day after he fired Port-au-Prince chief prosecutor, who had linked the prime minister to a key suspect in the killing of President Jovenel Moïse. So essentially... See here. Oh yeah, the appointment comes less than a week after Port-au-Prince Chief Prosecutor Bedford Claude asked Henri to meet with him Tuesday to explain why he had two phone conversations with the key suspect just hours after the July 7th killing of Moïse at his home. The suspect, Joseph Badzio, was fired from government's anti-corruption unit. That's ironic, I didn't know this. Badzio was fired from the government's anti-corruption unit in May and remains a fugitive. Just to show how corrupt things are in Haiti. There can't be a proper justice. Well, as of now, there there can't be any proper justice for the former, the slain um, former president because the justice system is crap. Um, the, the most powerful man in Haiti, at least in politics, is essentially, um, is essentially obstructing the investigation itself. So, We'll see what will happen. As of now, um, there's been um, the U.S. is still assisting the investigation. They're, they've been there's they've sent a few FBI agents down there over the course of last summer, 2021, and a bit. I think they believe I believe they had conducted an investigation down there, um, April or uh, April or May, um, and they had found that um, just they, not a. Um, no names essentially, but they found a lot of wire transfers in terms of the, for the financing of the assassination came from the United States um, and was sent to Haiti as well. Um, so the investigation is still going on. Um, there's still a lot of questions to be asked. For example, even there was a video that had surfaced the day of the assassination that showed that the mercenaries once um, before going in, um, they were saying, oh, it's a, um, they were essentially announcing a DEA operation, DEA operation multiple times. So questions like that has still have to be, um, still has to be answered as well. Um, and jumping off of this, um, the, the report, um, just to show that, um, the former, there was a essentially a policy recommendation on Haiti, uh, on Haiti for the Biden administration back in March, 2021. So the assassination happened in July, and this meeting, um, essentially, it happened in March, and it had um, people from the Haitian diaspora, um, former um, ambassador Pamela White, which we'll get to, at, former ambassador to from the states to Haiti, Pamela White. She served between 2012 and 2015. 
And then we also had um, a few, um, I believe, congressmen, um, not Sean, a congressman, a few representative of the U.S. government as well that are experts on the situation on Haiti. Um, there was an interesting exchange between Pamela White because this is nothing new. I'll show you here. So it's nothing new. This is from The Intercept here, but uh, by Ryan, a uh, big fan of Ryan Grimm. Um, former ambassador on Haitian president in March put him aside. Uh, former, sorry, former ambassador on Haitian president in March had stated during this meeting, put him aside and embraced the prime minister option. Um, this was taken out of context. I remember when this video came out, it was taken out of context because it made it seem that, um, made it seem that at the time that that um, Pamela White was essentially still working for the U.S. government. There was no detail saying that she was a former ambassador giving recommendations. So I remember when the video first came out, it made it seem like um, she was kind of, she had power in terms to um, how to conduct um, the removal of uh, the president of Haiti as well. So I want to show you something here. Uh, let me, let me. I'll have to go back. Oh, yeah, right here. Real possibility. And I think more, you know, more to the point is that if we don't develop Haitians and give Haitians a decent quality of living, uh, including giving them something to do, you know, uh, employment and basic health care, and human rights that they were going to find them on our doors in huge numbers, and you just before you do that. Uh, let me let me ask you a question about uh, the the comment that you made. I really appreciated, Ambassador, about conditionality uh, with foreign aid, uh, and and Mr. Connolly's recitation of uh, American history uh, with respect I to Haiti. I, you know, the American sure people, that. American taxpayers, not just in terms of these missions. The video here. Yes. Well, as I said in my testimony, I think that we, it, 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 you know, it would be nice if he would step down, but I don't think he's, that's going to happen. So I think that he right, sort of put him aside at the rights groups and, and opposition leaders that is overseen by the Moise administration would automatically be. Mm -hmm. um, Sorry about that, guys. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. And, um, I want to. I want to just, given given what you've just said, Ms. Auguste, I, I just want to uh, address the position that's been emphasized by uh, some of our witnesses and members here today. I'm sorry. Just to reiterate again, this is the um, those of you that are listening this on uh, a DSP or any other po podcast platform. This is the policy recommendations on Haiti for the Biden administration. So this is just a uh, essentially Zoom meeting between a bunch of representatives including people from the Haitian diaspora, which is that any and, uh, former ambassador, Pamela White. Any election or referendum that is overseen by the Moise administration would automatically be seen by the Haitian people as illegitimate. We have seen on the ground, I've heard firsthand human rights groups and, and opposition leaders maintaining that Moise's term ended February 7th and an interim government uh, is necessary to organize elections. Now, the question, Ambassador White, that I have for you is if the Provisional Electoral Council cannot meet the standard of being free, fair, and credible, 
but the current president does not step down. How can Congress, the Biden administration, and the international community play a, a responsible role in ensuring that any election that is held is credible and legitimate, uh, and in facilitating the public acceptance of the results uh, and, and in mediating between the Moise administration and the opposition? That's that's what that's what we're trying to do. I think that's what we need to do, Ambassador. Well, as I said in my testimony, I think that we, it, 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 you know, it would be nice if he would step down, but I don't think he's, that's going to happen. So I think that he, we sort of put him aside at the best of, you know, in the best of all worlds. And we, we have a, uh, a prime minister appointed that has the, that is non-corrupt, that is not from the political sector, that's not from the private sector. There are several really good candidates. I'm not going to name them, but there are several. And uh, and then we have this summit that we get to, we put out the OCEP, we have a summit where the, the actors come back to the table and we discuss how we can get the right representation to, in order to have a CEP that is credible. I mean, that is, that is one solution that I can see happening within the very near future. I, I think the problem with transitional governments is then we're in that mess again and it slows down everything again. It's not that I'm, I, in fact, I, I wrote a piece or I talked to a piece in the New Yorker a couple of years ago where I said, I think that's exactly what we need. But I think right now we could use the prime minister option. Thank you and very much. Thank uh, I think my, my time has expired. Thank So, yeah, this was in March. And I said the government was looking for recommendations on how best to assist Haiti for whatever that means. Um, and the Pamela White was giving a very interesting perspective, um, in terms of choosing, uh, well, first of all, she meant she wants Jovenel Moïse term ended in February, um, per the constitution, that was his five year mark, but he said his term ended sometime in September, I believe July or no. Yeah. It was sometime in the fall. Um, some people believe that he was overstaying because he wanted to make a few changes to the Constitution um, for good reasons um, before he left. And some believe that I, um, he was he was staying there for militia intent. I believe that he was staying there for good reasons. And although maybe he might have overextended the stay, I don't think he was staying for um, any uh, for to try and uh, get any political gain or for any type of corrupt reasons. But then again. These are all politicians, especially Haitian politicians. You never know. Um, so essentially for this meeting now, so transpire a few months after Jovenel Moise is dead. And now we actually do have a situation where it's the def um, <laughs> there is a transitional government with the prime minister as the head of state. Um, the only difference now, as Pamela suggested, where they'd want someone that's non, that's not a former politician, not into uh now involved in business in Haiti, um, this guy is a politi um, is well connected at least um, with Haitian politicians. Um, it, the way and the way that he's been, he's held power. It seems it looks like it as well, as well as um, Haitian billionaires, millionaires, um, and essentially anyone that's financing gangs in Haiti for their own political reasons or financial gain. Um, he seems to be well connected with them there too. Um, and on the same video, I actually stumbled upon a a short, it's the same video, but a short clip. And essentially it was Pamela's white. Um, so one of the representatives asked um, 
Pamela um, about the Silk and Road Initiative from China and how obviously Silk and Belt Road Initiative, for those of you who don't know, is essentially a program um, uh, by China. China trying to make a um, grow their economy, grow their economy even more, and make new friends um, on the international stage. Um, so with this initiative, they have a very big presence in Africa, where a lot of development projects are being initiated, and a lot of African states are getting uh, concession loans, basically um, almost zero interest loans to build for infrastructure. Where they're, they're it's very hard to say no because those um, rates are, if you compare them to the IMF. The international monetary funds uh bank loans they're far you can you have a way better advantage taking a loan from china than the imf as of now um uh, so the pamela white was a question about this because china had contacted haiti for the same um for the the same projects are going on they've had they do have a small presence in latin america and as well in the caribbean uh, specifically in cuba recently so we can take a look here. Yeah. Pizza from anywhere. Uh, the written reports uh, say that there have been 251 COVID deaths in 80. That seems like a very low number, uh, Ms. White. Should I believe that number? A very, very trusted doctor from you know that has ties to Cornell. That's a Haitian doctor. Has uh, one more question. That is, uh, Haiti is one of the fifteen nations to recognize uh, Taiwan. Um, we have the uh, uh, Beijing uh, offering free assistance, concessionary loans. Is uh, Haiti better off uh, sticking uh, uh, with Taiwan? Uh, and uh, should we be concerned uh, with uh, China trying to develop a, uh, uh, a relationship with the government of Haiti? So he asked, should we be concerned with China trying to develop, um, establish a relationship with Haiti? Funny question to me because there's no i wish i knew the reason to his question itself because there's no they're not stupid they know the silk and belt road the belt and road initiative is doing way more for african nations and other whatever other country that china is helping as opposed to what the us is doing to other of to the countries they're occupying or reaping the benefits out of themselves the aid is completely um is completely different because one thing with the um the chinese aid is that the their their projects actually comp are they they actually get completed um if i compared something when the us occupied haiti from 1915 to 1934 one of the thing that um things that they stated at the time is that they wanted to help build the um the education system in haiti um the U.S. government did little to nothing to really help the education system in Haiti um, itself. They hadn't really established any type of system or built any type of school, but they did occupy the country for uh, almost 20 years during that time with nothing to show. Whereas China, for example, you look at projects they're doing in Africa, you're seeing bit, um, high, um, highways, roads, hospitals and school all completely in a reasonable in a reasonable time. And completely, and it's completely done and fixed itself. So, 
Um, they definitely hold their end of the bargain, um, at least on the, China, on the Chinese side. Is this for me again? Yep. Uh, I don't know the extent of the uh, one more question. So that is, again. Uh, Haiti is one of the 15 nations to recognize uh, Taiwan. Uh, we have the uh, uh, Beijing uh, offering free assistance, concessionary loans. Is uh, Haiti better off uh, sticking uh, uh, with Taiwan? Uh, and uh, should we be concerned? Uh, with uh, China trying to develop a uh, uh, a relationship with the government of Haiti. Is this for me again? Yep. Uh, I don't know the extent of what the Taiwanese uh, is doing in Haiti anymore, so I can't really comment on that. But I have seen the Chinese slowly creeping in all across Africa and, and Haiti, and I personally do not think this is a good thing. Yeah. I, 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 they've sent hundreds of thousands of face masks, to thousands of tons of rice. Uh, uh, that is to say, Taiwan has uh, uh, to one of. So I wish Pamela went into why she doesn't believe it's a good idea, but obviously, there's no. Just because it's another economic big power, you've got the big countries like U.S., China, Russia, but mainly China and the U.S. Um, I wish they had given a reason, but I'm not naive. Obviously, I know that if there was a reason, I'm not sure if that. I don't think this was the appropriate place for them to talk about that side. But clearly, though, they, they I'm sure they see that the aid that African nations are getting from China compared to the aid that the U.S. may be offering to other nations is completely different. Because you see that um, in Africa, there's actually a lot. There's the the development projects are actually helping down there and actually helping to earn the bargain just to give you uh, an example um, hades has has had relations with with um the united states since the 1800s and even when the u.s first stepped foot in to occupy haiti which i believe was 1915 nothing's been done and there's been with there's been it's been over a hundred years of diplomatic relations and i can honestly say and Unless I'm wrong here, there's nothing. There's really nothing concrete that um, that the U.S. has done for Haiti for development. And if they have, there just there's there definitely was a uh, a trade off as well. Um, and just to give you an example, like even back in 1915, um, uh, under the guise of um, spreading uh, not spreading democracy, sorry, but under the guise of essentially um, at the time. I wouldn't say under the guise, but at the time the U.S. was, um, since Haiti was in America's backyard, they kind of wanted to establish control and have um, their um, their influence in the Western Hemisphere. Um, back at the time when Haiti, there was a couple of assassinations within three years, it was, it was um, the, the U.S. press was basically printing out how it's a mess in Haiti and they need, um, they need um, basically order. Um, they had gone down there and stolen... Uh, five hundred thousand of the UR U.S. gold reserve and brought it back to United States for quote unquote safekeeping, which is funny because the original amount was actually one hundred ten uh, hundred ten k, and then they had decided, nah, we'll just take five hundred k worth of gold and bring it back because you guys can't, you guys can't figure it out for yourselves. So I find this very funny. Um, there's no really reason as to why other than that China is a rising economic superpower. 
um, to me, at least, U.S. looks like a dying empire as well. Um, I was trying to find the source, but there's even a book or a an author basically stating and explaining how the average empire lasts around 350 years. And the U.S. is approaching that time or surpassed uh, the 350 years right now. So we'll see how that goes. All right. Well, that's it for me, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Um, this, like I said, uh, this is a weekly weekly show every um, every Wednesday on YouTube and other DSPs, podcast platforms. Subscribe if you like this or if this brings value to you. Um, thank you very much and have a nice day.